If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. We get to look at the incarnation of Jesus Christ this morning. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary, then betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Praise God for his holy word. Please be seated. So the Gospel of Matthew was written to the Jews. For the primary purpose of them knowing and understanding that Jesus Christ is the long-awaited Messiah and King of Israel. Jesus means Yahweh saves. Christ means the Anointed One, the Messiah. And so often, this passage of the birth of Christ is only looked at during Christmas season. And many focus only on Christ's coming as a baby, as a child. I want us to approach today's text with our hearts and our eyes focused upon the truth that Jesus Christ is King. He is the long-awaited Messiah who has always existed, preeminent, preexistent, the one who came from heaven to earth, born of a virgin. The preeminent King born of a virgin to the Virgin Mary by the Holy Spirit. The preeminent King who created all things through Him, for Him, and to Him are all things. John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus Christ has always been Through Christ, all things were made, and without Christ, nothing was made. What a great God. Colossians 1, 15. He, Christ, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him 
All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, fully God in every way. He is the firstborn of all creation. That does not mean that he is a created being, but he is preeminent. He is first in rank over his creation. All that we see is his. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. Jesus holds his creation together. He is the head of the body, the church, this church. He is the fullness of God. The Son of God reconciles or restores to himself all things by making peace. And that peace comes only by his blood. Because Christ alone pays for sin. The Son of God leaving the glory of heaven, coming to his own creation by putting on flesh. What king does that? The Son coming to serve and not to be served, giving his life as a ransom for many. This is what I want us to have on our minds this morning as we look at these verses. The long-awaited Messiah is not a created being, but God humbly putting on flesh the second person of the Trinity, leaving heaven, entering his creation, born of a virgin. Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So Matthew begins in chapter 1 with the genealogy of Jesus in verse 1, followed with the details involved with the birth of Christ. The Greek word used here for birth in verse 18 is Genesis, meaning to be, to become, or happen. So Matthew is telling the Jews, as a Jew himself, how the Messiah came to earth. Therefore, we we will spend our time today looking at the truths involved in the birth of Christ. I have organized these truths into seven facts for us to know and to remember. Seven facts for us to know and to remember. Fact number one, Mary and Joseph were betrothed to be married. Mary and Joseph were betrothed to be married. Betrothal today is called an engagement. An engagement exists between one man and one woman who intend to get married at a certain point in time. Today, many engagements end before the couple marries on that special day for various reasons. This Jewish betrothal was different. It was an unbreakable pledge, usually lasting one year, in which they were almost husband and wife, yet they had not come together intimately. If the engagement was going to end, a formal divorce was needed. So Mary and Joseph were betrothed to be married. Fact number two. Mary was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Mary was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. So Mary and Joseph, they were betrothed to one another, but Mary was found to be with child. What a major problem this was. Luke 1, 
verses 26 through 35 help us better understand what we find in Matthew 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? Angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Luke, being a physician, as well as having a personal testimony from Mary herself, he was very detailed concerning the birth of Christ. Mary was told by the angel Gabriel that she would bear a son by the power of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Mary was with child by the power of the Holy Spirit. She was carrying the Holy Son of God, the Messiah, the King of Israel. Mary was betrothed to Joseph. And an angel named Gabriel visits and informs Mary, who is a virgin, that you will bear a child by the power of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, this child is king. His kingdom will not end. His name is Yahweh saves, son of the most high God. He is holy. From an earthly viewpoint, Mary is in what would, many would call a pickle. A very difficult situation. Can you imagine you are betrothed to a man named Joseph and you have, you have found to be pure and a virgin and, and you love this man and all of a sudden you are now pregnant? Fact number three. Joseph was resolved to divorce her. Joseph was resolved to divorce her. So Mary talked with Joseph, and obviously Joseph did not believe her. Who would have in this situation? Can you imagine just Mary informing him that she is still a virgin, but with child, because God, the Holy Spirit, has made me pregnant? You can also imagine Joseph's thinking here. How can this be? Mary, how in the world could you do this to me? But God was not done working in this difficult situation. Joseph had his mind set, his mind made, but God had other plans. We have often been in this situation, haven't we? We have approached something and we have said, this is what we're going to do. And over a period of time, God says, no. Matthew 1, verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph was resolved. That means he had purpose in his heart. He had plans to divorce her quietly, breaking off the betrothal. 
Three things to note about Joseph's character here. Number one, he was a just or a righteous man. He was a righteous man, a merciful man who believed in God and obeyed the law. This was the type of man that Joseph was. The second thing about his character, he was unwilling to put Mary to shame. He had no desire to disgrace her or to make an example of her. So often in this world when people fall, that's the first thing that people want to do. I want to make an example about you and show you how you have failed so everyone in the world knows it. Joseph, hearing the news from Mary and not believing it, he was still concerned for Mary. He loved her even though it seemed she had committed adultery. And the third thing about Joseph's character, he was going to divorce her quietly. He was going to send her away secretly. Do you see the righteous character of Joseph on display and what it would have been the biggest disgrace and humiliation of both of their lives? The Lord knew what he was doing when he picked Mary and Joseph. This was, after all, his plan being rolled out. History is his story. The longer I live, the more I see the Lord's hand and I appreciate it. Not only in the scriptures, but in my own life. The Lord is directing everything. He is ruling righteously over what is his creation. He is ruling righteously over me, that he has made me for his glory. We plan, but the Lord determines our steps. And as his children, we need to just trust him because he justifies us, he sanctifies us, and one day he will glorify all of his children. And every step between justification before justification to the point of glorification, he knows exactly what those steps are and he's going to do it. Doing all things to please him. Trusting every step of the way. That is to be our story. The Lord knows what he is doing at all times. He is working all things for good for those who love him. He is working all things for his glory. I was listening to the radio this past week and numerous songs that I heard, they all said the same thing. They said, I don't know what God is doing, but I know what God has done. If you read the scripture, you know what God has done and you know what God is doing. It's both. We do not trust our own thinking. We do not follow our own hearts. Follow what he has breathed out and preserved in his holy word. Even when we don't understand how a situation could be good, we trust who he is and what he has said. And by the way, we are not boasting in Joseph here. Joseph was a righteous man. He could have been extremely ruthless in this situation. He wasn't because of what God was doing and had done in his life. I mean, he was practically married to Mary. She is pregnant. She claims to be a virgin and that she is with child because of the Holy Spirit. She is absolutely claiming a miracle while looking like an adulterer before Joseph. Deuteronomy 22 informs us of what could have happened if Joseph desired it and the Lord willed it. If there is a betrothed virgin 
and a man meets her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city. You shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry for help, though she was in the city, and the man, because he violated his neighbor's wife, you, so you shall purge the evil from your midst. Joseph could have publicly humiliated Mary and had her killed. He could have viewed the situation as, let's purge this evil woman from us. He could have disgraced her, making her a public spectacle for all to see. But God knew what he was doing. He was at work in Joseph, for Joseph was a righteous man. He was righteous, honorable, he was humble. His great love for the Lord and Mary was on full display. Joseph had the character of God. His attitude was pleasing. He was merciful. Why? Because God was working in and through Joseph. Fact number four. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph had his plan. He was going to divorce her quietly. The Lord has his plan. And once again, the messengers of God were at work. Matthew 1, verse 20. As he considered these things, just think about those words for a second. As he considered these things. Think of all the things that Joseph was considering, all that he had, he had gone through to this point. The woman he loved. Joseph, I, I'm pregnant. I'm not an adulterer. I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph is considering these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So God gave Joseph special revelation in a dream through an angel of the Lord. This God-given dream brought relief to Joseph and took away his fears. This is now the second time in the New Testament that we have seen an angel doing the bidding of God. However, please note, this is not normal in the New Testament. In fact, the majority of angelic encounters surround the coming of Christ. Like the angel Gabriel taught to Mary about Jesus. We find that in Matthew chapter 1. An angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream about Jesus. That's also Matthew 1. An angel of the Lord visited Zechariah, telling him his wife Elizabeth was with child and to name him John, who would be the forerunner of Jesus. That's Luke chapter 1. An angel appeared to Joseph in a dream, telling him to take Mary to Nazareth. That happens in Matthew chapter 2. An angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds in the field along with other heavenly hosts. That's Luke chapter 1. Before the death of Christ, an angel appeared and strengthened him as he prayed. Luke 22. Peter and the apostles, they were brought out of prison, Acts 5. The majority of angelic beings coming or appearing in dreams to deliver a message revolved primarily around the coming of Christ. Joseph was well aware of the Old Testament scriptures. He had heard of the Lord doing this in the past. An angel of the Lord visited Hagar, Abraham's wife, Genesis chapter 16. Angels visited Abraham, Genesis 18. Angels rescued Lot, Genesis 19. An angel appeared to Jacob in a dream, Genesis 31. Angels were present at the giving of the law, Deuteronomy 33. 
An angel rebuked Israel, Judges 2. An angel preserved Daniel, Daniel 6. These are just a few times of angels working in the Old Testament. And after 400 years of no prophets, 400 years of silence, it's time for the Messiah to come. Every step of this story is a supernatural movement of the Lord. Every step of this story is a supernatural movement of the Lord. Fact number five. Mary being a virgin and having a son fulfills Scripture. Mary being a virgin and having a son fulfills Scripture. Matthew 1, 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Why was this happening? God was fulfilling his promise. From Genesis 3, verse 15, all the way to the prophet Isaiah. Matthew quotes Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel. So Isaiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. He spoke the word of God concerning the Messiah 700 years before Christ shows up. Remember, Matthew is writing to Jews. He will do this another 59 times. 59 more times he will go back to the Old Testament Scriptures saying this was a promise, this has been fulfilled. This is a promise, this is Christ. This is a promise, look, he has come. It is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. That Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, the King of Israel. Emmanuel, God with us. That God has come, God in the flesh. Christ the Messiah has come. Gabriel, the angel going to Mary and telling her what would happen, what God was going to do, aligns perfectly with what God told Isaiah to declare 700 years before this occurred. Mary being a virgin and having a son fulfills Scripture. And let us not forget, as Bible-believing Christians, the virgin birth is important. There was no human father. Jesus was born of woman by way of God the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was born without original sin. He had no conceived. He was not conceived in sin and not, and not born as an individual separated from God. R.C. Sproul said it well. He said, The virgin birth is a watershed doctrine separating Orthodox Christians from those who do not believe in the resurrection and the atonement. Mary being a virgin and having a son absolutely 100% fulfills Scripture. Fact number six. Joseph obeyed the angel of the Lord. Look at Matthew 1, verse 24. So think about everything that Joseph has been through up to this point. He has just had a dream. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Joseph has experienced so much. That's a massive understatement. The woman he loves, pregnant by the Holy Spirit, having a dream with an angel telling him what has happened. 
Joseph, this is what has happened. Joseph, this is what you are to do. Mary is with child by the Holy Spirit. Mary, she will have a son. You shall name this son Jesus. Keep in mind, Joseph was a just man. He obeyed the Lord. Above the thoughts of other men, above the thoughts of his friends and family, he obeyed the Lord. I mean, there was nothing outside of all of this where everyone was informing him, Joseph, you should actually do what God has just told you to do. Above the thoughts of other men, Joseph humbled himself and he obeyed the Lord. The words he did as the angel of the Lord commanded are wonderful words of obedience. Just as Jesus will later declare in Matthew 12, verse 50, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Let us not forget as God's children that if we are doing God's will, that is what God wants us to do. Those who belong to the Lord, they know his voice, they obey his commands, and they do his will. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. It's not that they just hear me. They hear my voice and they follow me. John 10, verse 27. Joseph did as he was commanded because the angel was speaking for the Lord. The Lord was telling Joseph what to do. When we pick up God's word and God tells his children what they are to do, may we have the same reverence. So Joseph took Mary into his home. But he did not know her. He was not intimate with her until after Jesus was born. Joseph obeyed the Lord. He welcomed Mary as everyone else thought she was a prostitute. He took her as his wife and he adopted Jesus as his own. Jesus was not his. Joseph obeyed. Fact number seven. The Messiah has come and his name is Jesus or Yahweh saves and he will save his people from their sins. The Messiah has come. His name is Yahweh. Yahweh saves. He will save his people from their sins. Scripture is being fulfilled here in Matthew chapter 1. Genesis 3. Isaiah 7. Isaiah 40, Isaiah 53, Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 36, the Messiah has come. Matthew, a Jew himself, is informing his people that the promised Messiah of the Old Testament has already come. The king of the Jews was killed, but he has risen and he is Lord. He is king. Jesus means Yahweh saves. You know, throughout the Gospels, we find important truths to cherish. So I want to take some time this morning looking at these truths. John chapter 10, verse 30, if you want to write that down. John 10, 30. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. So Jesus, in his own words, he says, I am God. John 8, 58. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is saying, I am preeminent. I have always existed. I am God. John chapter 20, verse 28. A disciple of Jesus called Jesus, my God. Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. Jesus was ministered to by angels. Right after the temptations that he experienced. 
Matthew 12, verse 25, Jesus knew the thoughts of the Pharisees. I mean, think about that just for a little bit. I mean, that's something very, very small compared to everything else we've been discussing. But the fact that Jesus knew the thoughts of the Pharisees before they spoke. I wish I knew the thoughts of many people before I spoke. Jesus, in the Gospel of Matthew alone, performed many miracles. He walked on water. He gave sight to the blind. He cast out demons. He fed the 4,000. He fed the 5,000. He made a mute man speak. He restored life to a girl. And then afterwards, he, before that, he was being laughed at, saying, this woman is dead. And Jesus said, nope, she's alive. Jesus commanded the winds and the waves, and they obeyed him. Jesus commanded a paralytic to rise and to walk. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He saves his people from their sins. As the children of God, we should be rejoicing at hearing the good news of Christ. And the truth that Emmanuel, God with us, is still active. If you flip in your scriptures to the end of the Gospel of Matthew, and you go to Matthew chapter 28, we find some very, very important words for us to remember and to take heed as we go through the trials in this life. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the long-awaited Messiah who came, born of a virgin, without original sin, living a perfect life, dying on a cross, rising from the dead, ascending into heaven, has sealed his children with the Holy Spirit. He is still with us. God with us, Emmanuel. This promise is a comfort that cannot be described. It is beyond our understanding. That no matter where you are mentally, where you are physically on this earth, whether you're in space, wherever you are, whatever is going on in your life, the Lord is with you. He is always with us. Now, there are going to be times in this life where we feel lonely. Human relationships will change. Men and women will disappoint. But God is with us. He is always with us. For Jesus saves his people from their sins. And he remains with them. The incarnation, the virgin birth, scripture fulfilled. Jesus saves people from their sins. These things are wonderful truths for us to hold into our hearts. Listen to these compelling words by J.C. Ryle concerning Christ. He saves them from the guilt of sin. By washing them in his atoning blood. 
He saves them from the dominion of sin by putting in their hearts the sanctifying spirit. He saves them from the presence of sin when He takes them out of this world to rest with Him. He will save them from all the consequences of sin when He shall give them a glorious body at the last day. Blessed are and holy are the people of Christ. From sorrow, cross, and conflict, they are not saved. But they are saved from sin forevermore. They are cleansed from guilt by Christ's blood. They are made fit for heaven by Christ's Spirit. This is salvation. So in Matthew chapter 1, when we hear the coming of the Messiah in Jesus and His name and what He's going to do, and the words, and He will save His people from their sins, what a glorious truth for us to hold on to. The question is, as God's children, are we holding on to these truths? Have you been saved from your sins by Christ? For salvation does not come from man. Salvation, as we have clearly seen from Scripture, salvation comes from God. Jesus Christ is the only source of salvation. And when we get past the birth of Christ, we get to the ministry of Christ. And in the ministry of Christ, Jesus says this, repent and believe. And these words are a command. Repent and believe. Call on Christ to save you. And we have a promise that he will wash away our sins. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This morning, I know many hearts are burdened by many things going on in our own life. Many things we have experienced. Many things that we we see and hear about. I'm telling you as a child of God, He's on his throne. He's doing his perfect will. He is saving his people from their sins. And if you are his this morning, we have so much to celebrate and to be thankful. Because what we see with our eyes, that's not, that's not the end. We are looking forward to being with Christ. So let's do his bidding while we are here and glorify him with the time that he has given Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for these wonderful truths that you have given us surrounding the coming of the Son of God. Reminding us once again that salvation is not by us, in us. It is an alien righteousness. It is something that is outside of us. It is something that only you could provide. That you sent your Son to this earth to save sinners and Jesus would come and he would save his people from their sins Father seeing the character of Joseph is just really seeing your character how patient you are how loving you are how generous you are and kind you are to undeserving sinners. Father, as your children, may we not just cherish your words, but may we obey your words. And we need your help 
left alone, Lord, we would just be full of intellect and our hearts would be cold. Pierce our hearts and our minds with your word. By your Holy Spirit, move in our minds and our lives, revealing sin, calling us to repentance, us obeying and turning from our sins and living a life that pleases you. The truth that a king would come to serve and not to be served. Lord, may that humble us even today and faithfully serve you, realizing that we are not here to please ourselves. We're not here to celebrate ourselves. We're not here to make life about us. We are here to faithfully serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords who reigns. (laughs) Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your holy word. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.